Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome to the In Awe Podcast in 2020 and a fresh series on resolve. As Ella Wheeler-Wilcox said, there is no chance, no destiny, no fate that can circumvent or hinder or control the firm resolve of a determined soul. This month, we will be featuring women who clearly show us their determination to face and overcome challenges. Each will inspire us in their own ways, and I am thrilled to share them with you. Launching this series with today's guest is very special to me. Heidi Armentrout is a wife to a special education teacher and soccer coach, mother of two college-age children, an educator who is currently a director of personnel and was a building administrator until recently for 12 years and served for another 12 years as a middle school math teacher. She loves to read, quilt, and scrapbook and is attempting, as she says, to become a runner. Heidi is a lifelong learner and on a faith-based journey with God. In this episode, my friends, you will learn that Heidi has demonstrated resolve for a literal lifetime. Through learning challenges, facing down obstacles related to body image, and resolving to become her best version, Heidi shows us what daily strength and determination looks like. She is one of my mentors dear to me in this life, and I am absolutely honored to share with you Heidi Armentrout's resolve story. Welcome, Heidi Armentrout, to the In Up Podcast. I am so excited to have you featured and for my listeners to get to know you. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm excited to be here. Well, listeners, you should know that I have literally been working on Heidi for approximately a year to get her to share her story on the podcast. And so I am just thrilled to have you. Thank you. All right. So I went ahead and told the listeners just a little bit about how awesome you are. But would you share a little bit about your current context, where you are and what you're up to in this wonderful world of ours? Absolutely. Um, currently, I am, I guess I'm, I'm a lot of different things. But right now, currently, I'm a director of personnel for Brunswick City Schools, which is a suburb, a suburb outside of Cleveland, Ohio. I've only been in this position since August. Before that, I spent uh, the last 24 years in middle school teaching math, um, being an assistant principal and being a principal. So off on a new adventure with that. Um, in my personal life, I am currently married to a wonderful man named Bob, who who is a special education teacher and a high school girls soccer coach. And I have two children. Um, I have a wonderful son who's 21 and in his last year of college, studying to be a mechanical engineer. And my daughter, who is a sophomore at the same school and currently studying environmental sciences. So just a, you know, a wonderful working mom and um, just happy, you know, happy to share a little bit of my story with you guys today. Well, and I love so much your story. And here's the cool part. Heidi and I are friends, but we've never met. (laughs) Exactly right. (laughs) Um, Heidi and I have been in a group of what we call the wise women group. It's women in secondary education together. How do you think, has it been like two or three years? I think it has been. Yeah, it's been going a long time and it's a wonderful group to connect with. So in that, when you talk about your family, I'm just, I'm smiling and beaming because I know them. I know your children and I know um, their joys and and your husband and just what a joy you are in our group and how uplifting you are. And I also know that we share common roots. So we're both right from the same state. (laughs) That's correct. That's correct. Born in Minneapolis. So 
And both living like fish out of water. Just kidding. No, we've, you've put your roots down. And, uh, someday we'll be back in the Twin Cities. I swear it. We'll see. <laughs> Do it. Maybe we'll rejoin at the same time together as Minnesota girls. So I'm just super excited. We have you featured on the series on Resolve, though. As I've said, I've literally tried to... I've been resolving to get Heidi on the podcast because she's just got so much to share. But uh, we have you featured here. And would you like to just share a little bit? I mean, we're going to get into this deeply, but is there anything in particular that you decided, okay, resolve, that's what it is for me. You want to share a little bit about your background? Um, sure. I am, um, you know, born and raised, like I said, um, I was born in Minnesota, but I've been raised all over for, you know, four children in our family, lots of different stories. Um, but my own personal story for me kind of started when I was a young kid um, and in school, always have had the um, abilities to think and learn, but I really, really struggled to learn to read. And um, in first grade, I had a wonderful teacher who kind of let me do everything I wanted to do. And she never figured out that I was fooling her and fooling people around me and the fact that I couldn't read. And in second grade, um, although I did not like my second grade teacher very much, she did get to know me and was kind of the one in school to figure out that I was faking my way through things. Um, here's a humbling experience, but there was a point in time in second grade where she actually caught me. Um, I had taken another student's paper because I struggled so much to read and write um, that I had uh, taken another student's paper that had sentences for our spelling words for the week on it and put my name on it and tried to turn it in as my own. Um, and it kind of helped her communicate with my parents the fact that I was struggling. Um, I think back then schools didn't support children as much as they do now in terms of really diving in and delving in to find out what kids are learning and what they're not. Um, and so I was fortunate that my parents took it very seriously and um, helped kind of provided along the way the support I needed. Never once did either one of my parents ever say to me that I wasn't a smart young lady. Um, and that was what I think makes the biggest difference. Because if you believe in that, then you can have that inner strength to get through any of the struggles you may be you know, dealing with. It was humiliating at times. I had tutors. There were times after school and on weekends and in the summertime where I was working with my tutors to help me get through things. But I did. And I'm happy to say that because of that love of learning for me um, and the desire to try to get past it, I've been able to get through, um, you know, the dyslexia, although it never, ever goes away, I've learned to accommodate who I am. And uh, I'm fortunate for that. I'm very, very fortunate for that. It's a piece of your story that just inspires me so greatly when I when I listen to you. And I think it's just become such a fabric of, of who you are. But I mean, come on, listeners, think about that. So you have dyslexia and yet you were able to push through and accomplish well in the academic field. I mean, you're a director at this point, you're at the district office in a large school district, and you've been a math teacher of all things. And so that's why I think it's so beautiful that we're featuring you here in Resolve, because it, it would be so easy for any student at any age to just kind of give up and set the, set the bar low, whether they have difficulties or not. And here you are, you stuck it out. I love how you say it was humbling because you actually had to, you know, work with tutors and you give us such a really beautiful insight into how that would feel. I think it's important for listeners to hear a little bit about like you have super accomplished parents, right? <laughs> I think so. Yes. Yeah. Would you want to share just a little bit about that context? 
Sure. Um, both of my parents were college graduates, um, and my father went on to become an orthopedic surgeon. And in his field, field he's very well renowned for what he did um, with adult spine work and then has gone on, um, even in his retirement years, to become an author and um, a professor in an organization um, that deals with orthotics and prosthetics uh, worldwide, trying to help co- third world countries um, open up schools and train people in that field. Um, and my mother, although she was a stay-at-home mom when I was being raised, she also ran my dad's office when he was in private practice. And then with some life circumstances changing for her, she actually had the ability to go back to medical school um, when she was 45 years old. She graduated from medical school as a 50-year-old woman and then practiced for the next 20 years as a family practitioner. Um, So both of them have always been people who have shown me that um, you never stop learning. And I think that's been a piece of that resolve for me and who I am that you just got to keep going no matter, you know, what age you're in and what stage of life you're in, you got to keep plugging away and keep learning. You never stop growing. Well, and I, I love so much that you painted the picture of who, who they were and who your teachers were to kind of guide you through that because uh, they found tools and supports for you that would help you to become resolved. But that's not the only like the piece of your story. That's just it. But I just love that so much to think, you know, there's I'm sure if we could unpeel all of that for you that would be hard. It's on one side, you have the supports, but on the other, am I stepping too far to think that might be really hard for your self-efficacy knowing that you have these, you know, achievers around you and here you struggle. I don't know if that was a piece of it. No, I think you're right, Sarah. I think there's a piece of, um, you know, there's a conversation that I had with my father that I actually um, had to step back as an adult and say to him, is it ever going to be enough? Because it always felt like, you know, you graduated from high school, the expectation is you go on to college, you graduate from college, the expectation is you're going to get your master's degree. And um, I remember when I had finished up my work as my in my master's program um, in secondary administration and became a building principal, my dad said, well, when are you going to become a superintendent? And I looked at him and I said, and what if I don't? Is it ever going to be enough? And that's been a hard thing to talk about. And although we are much older now and have much more open conversations, conversations my dad and I do. I think there was a point in time when you just aren't sure how to, you know, always be accepted, I guess. Maybe that's the word that you're always trying to be accepted by somebody else. And at this point in my life, I have finally realized that I have been accepted by me. And that's what's really important. Oh, my goodness. I love you, Heidi. (laughs) I just had to say that because, man, I think so much about the fact that this series could be, yeah, we're goal goal crushers and we dig it and we work hard, but it's, it's resolving not only to find your best version, but to be comfortable with what that is outside of anyone else's expectations. It's such an important message for us all to hear. I agree with that. It is okay. It is okay to be us, right? Yes. And honestly, I think that's one of the most beautiful parts of your story because we can be grateful where we came from. We can be thankful for what we've overcome. But I really think that you are such a perfect example in my life of somebody who's just been through the ringer in so many different ways and continues to not only grow personally, but grow in the ways that you know you're you're called to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one, you know, piece of your resolve story. But there's a there's a few others that I would love if you would venture in with me and share with the listeners some of the things that you've overcome and you've resolved. There's there in your adult life, you've had some things that you've had to just buckle in and you know resolve to change. And when I think about this, I love this quote by Ella Wheeler Wilcox, and she says, "There's no chance, no destiny, no fate that can circumvent or hinder or control the firm resolve of a determined soul." And I know you've got at least three examples in 
your own life, would you want to just share a little bit with the listeners about a few that you've resolved to to overcome to be who you are today? Sure, I would be happy to. I think um, the biggest change for me in my life came um, in my early 30s when, um, I guess, unbeknownst to me, I was going to end up getting divorced. Um, I was married young at 22 years old, and uh, we had children right away. And and although we thought life was going along well, it kind of took a term. And um, you know, I'm not going to go into necessarily details, but I believe that by this experience of becoming a single mom, I have grown into the person that I'm truly supposed to be. You know, early on during that time in my early 30s, I was told by someone that I could never actually become an assistant principal or a building administrator, um, that I just didn't have the backbone, uh, that people would uh, walk all over me kind of was the phrase that was used. And I think at the time that that statement was shared with me, that was a very, very true statement. Um, But as I learned to grow and become a single mom and a working mom, I began to find out who I truly was. There's an organization out there called called Divorce Care, that is a faith-based divorce group that one of my local churches here um, had that really allowed me through um, kind of a program, a weekly program to discover who it is I was. And uh, through that, you know, I eventually found the right partner to share my life with. I figured out what I wanted to do in the classroom, outside of the classroom, going into administration. And I mean, I'm not even sure how to say it. It was through that difficult experience. And if I wouldn't have had it, I'm not sure I would be the person I am today. And I think that self-discovery has been the biggest gift for me in my life. Well, and I love the way you phrase that, that, that challenge. It's not like it would make you at the time at the front of that. You didn't know how you were going to be forged through it, but you resolved not to give up. I mean, if you look at back at that, we've all had pit moments where we're just not sure the outcome is going to be after we fight that battle. And here you have come out. I mean, not only have you been an assistant principal, but a a principal and now at the the district level. And I love how you said at the time, it probably was true. And so anyone listening, if you're in a space right now where you're like, I'm not who I really want to be, listen to Heidi. She tells us that we can become, (laughs) right? Yep, we sure can. With that hard work, we can do anything we set our minds to do. Okay, so one of the things we've talked about in our group, and this is like a, I think it's a common battle that we all face to just like be the healthiest versions of ourselves. And I always love it when you come in and you're like, oh, this is what I've done for all these years when all of us are trying something new. Do you want to talk a little bit about some resolve that you've had with your um, your journey with healthy body, healthy body image, all of that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, I was raised in a time where um, women's looks mattered. I don't know how to say that any better than that. And I took it to mean that I was supposed to look a certain way for other people. And um, through that, I struggled a little bit with some eating, I will be honest, and um, was not a healthy eater and let my weight get a little bit higher than I should have. Um, And actually, (laughs) it's seven years ago now, I joined Weight Watchers. And it was a life changing moment for me that I figured out my why and how I wanted to become a healthy person. Um, And I was able to take some weight off that I needed to. But more importantly, I discovered that I want to do something for me. There are some women in this Weight Watchers group that I have become lifetime friends with that have uh, encouraged me to attempt to become a runner. I would never call myself a runner, but I get out there and I run. (laughs) Um, You know, we've done, we committed this past year and um, all of us in our group did 12 uh, 5K or longer races, which was a huge accomplishment for me. Yay, Heidi, that's amazing. 
it, it was definitely an adventure for sure. And this year they have agreed, um, you know, have kind of encouraged me and I have currently already signed up for um, a 10 miler run in April that I'm working towards and a half in August. So we'll see if I can make those goals this year. You can do it. I am. There's no question in my mind that you can do it. Did you do like, I don't remember this. Did you like a turkey trot or something like that? Like even I've seen you, you know, doing all these races on holidays and things like that. I'm so proud of you. What were, what were some of your favorites from the year? Um, you know, we did a couple of them in the wintertime, which was fun. There was a holiday jingle one that was a lot of fun. And um, we did not do a turkey trot. Thanksgiving is one of those favorite holidays for mine where it's all about family. So I would never give up my Thanksgiving morning. Um, but I will give up lots of others. We did one in the called a chili bowl where we ran in the wintertime. We did a bunch in the summertime where you never thought you could breathe because it was so hot. Um, but I think all of it has been about this journey of making sure that I can accomplish what I want to accomplish, but to do it with people and surrounding with people and these friends of mine that accept me for who I am. It's never a matter of you have to be the fastest person. I'll never be the first finisher in our little group. But every time, even getting a couple of seconds faster, and they're all about that support has meant the world to me and kind of becoming who I am in this this healthy lifestyle. The other piece of that healthy lifestyle is to, to really I learned to accept me with who I am and to love my body the way it is. And that is a hard message for women and girls out there today to really understand and learn um, that we just have to love ourselves for who we are. It's so complex too. Uh, Like you said, there's just so many images and our own journeys that create that narrative for us, Mm -hmm. but uh, loving your body the way it is and feeding it in healthy ways and getting it moving Mm -hmm. are their own levels of resolve in itself. So I love hearing this message from you. And I love hearing, you know, about this last year that you've got this crew that's like, you know what, who cares when you finish? I think you always call yourself a turtle or something like that. (laughs) Yes, I'm a part of the turtle club. As long as I finish, that's all that matters. (laughs) Oh, and steady wins the race. That's what I learned. That's right. Um, and you know, too, like in my own running journey, I think I've shared that is it used to be for speed. And I think, I think we have to evolve in anything we're doing. And if we're resolving to do it, you know, our, our purpose can change, our reasoning can change, but if we just keep ourselves steady on a path, it really shouldn't matter how we get there. It's just that we, you know, we, that we continue to strive to get there. And so I love that you're with this supportive crew and that you're looking to grow into this next year. And I can't wait to see your first half marathon accomplished. It's going to be amazing. We'll see how it goes, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be great. Oh my goodness. Okay. So another uh, area that we're just, we're plugging through, like these are heavy hitter issues. If you, you know, if you take any moment to peel apart some of the stuff under the surface of what we're actually talking about, like you're conquering behavior habits that so many of us battle. And I mean, I constantly battle it. We've talked about this. I think chips are your nemesis, are they? They sure are. Those salt and vinegar potato chips. (laughs) Uh, the stinking Doritos for me, I'll tell you, it's terrible. I can't oh. overcome it. I try. <laughs> we just don't buy them anymore and then they don't get eaten. That's so smart. And so that's another thing that we've covered. And goodness, if you're willing to do this, I, I want to get into this topic a little bit here. We are in January and so many people, you know, they're looking at how they can resolve to be better in any particular areas in, in the um, new year in 2020. And we know that there's a lot of data that says that new year's resolutions don't work. Um, but you know, I think that we can resolve to become better versions of ourselves. And we do that through action, right? And I'm just coming off of a year of no alcohol. And it's funny because 
for my whole life, that wasn't a battle until approximately, well, 2014, 15 is where I can pinpoint. And then suddenly it was like, you know, it creep in and I would just have it in my life. And this is a conversation we've also had and kind of brought one another through in our group. And so I'd love for you to share with the listeners just a little bit about some resolve that you have around that and maybe just some levers that you and your husband pull and make sure it doesn't become an issue for you in your life. Yeah. Alcoholism is a part of my family. And um, anybody who knows me close knows that that's the case. I've had a couple of people in very close in my life who have struggled or continue to struggle with that addiction. And unfortunately, alcohol plays a big part of everybody's lives from children when when the pressures are there to be drinking underage. And then once they get the ability at, at you know, 21, how much do you indulge? And, and so I'm not even sure how to articulate it. But I think that we need to remember that it's whether your drug is alcohol, or whether your drug is food, or whether your drug is, is spending money, whatever that is, you've got to be able to get a control on it and, um, and handle it the right way. Um, uh, you know, one of the people in my life talked to me about um, that our addictions are like petting a tiger, and we have to learn how to pet a tiger daily in a way that it doesn't come back and bite us. And um, so when you know, when you talk about alcohol, although I very much enjoy having a glass of wine or my gin and tonics in the summertime, I also have to step back and make sure that I don't have to have that glass of wine or that gin and tonic as well. You know, in pressure situations growing up, maybe drank because somebody told me I needed to drink. And now it's okay in any situation for me to be able to say, no, thank you. I'm just going to have my water today. Um, And that's what's kept me healthy when it comes to that alcoholism and that addiction, because I can see how easily somebody or especially me when it's in my genes to be able to slip right into that needing that alcohol to to function. Well, and that's the way I like uh, how you phrase that because like this is, you know, this is a tender topic, I think. Petting the tiger or the lion, I get the two confused. (laughs) Either one, but petting the tiger is what I always say. (laughs) Without it biting you is so good. And, you know, I think about that and, um, you know, there's a difference between vices and addictions and, Mm -hmm. you know, how you talk about just, is just this resolve to not let it take you over. And once we fall into that space of addiction, that's that's a very scary and a dangerous space that we can, we can all be really susceptible to. And if we have it in our families, it's even more dangerous to, you know, fall into that Mm -hmm. where we can't get ourselves out. So I appreciate that. And for me, 2019, that was, that was just a, it was a resolve that I had based upon a conviction from the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I don't know where it'll go back. Uh, And I think a healthy relationship with any of our vices is important. Um, I think that anyone listening, like there's not even any one of us who can overcome every bad habit. I just, I just think there's too many temptations it's too easy to follow the patterns and absolutely none of us are perfect in any of this. So I think it's, you know, we're hitting some really heavy hitters in this interview today. And it's not about shaming anybody listening um, who's currently on the struggle bus. It's you know, we've, I've shared, I, I struggle with the Doritos and, and I'll continue to struggle with a lot of different vices myself, but I just take a page from your book all the time. When I think about this, Heidi, in, in terms of resolving to just be our best versions in the ways that we can. And sometimes that means that, you know, maybe we only have alcohol when we're out socially or, or maybe it's the opposite, you know, maybe it's, um, maybe whatever works for you in, in your home and in your heart and in yourself to resolve to just make sure that you are the best version of yourself and that you're taking care of your body as this vessel that's a healthy being. Right. 
and I think a big part of it too, for me, when I think about being healthy is, is being able to talk about it. Um, you know, for a very long time, I wouldn't share with anybody that I was a Weight Watchers member. And now that I'm a lifetime member, sometimes I feel like I have to shout it from the mountaintops so that people understand that, Hey, I may look okay now, but that is a constant struggle. And if I don't go weekly to weigh in, and if I don't do, you know, every single day thinking about what I am putting in my mouth, I go right back to being the unhealthy me. And I want more people to realize it is okay to struggle and it is okay to admit that you're struggling and it is okay to be able to realize that with those struggles are going to become a better version of you throughout all of it every day. Yes. What uh, inspiring words, my friend. I'm so proud of you. I'd love to do is just talk about this kind of generational thing. You've got two wonderful children that are working their lives to accomplish great things. And so is there anything else in this theme with Resolve that you'd like to share in regard to your children? If I can tell kind of quickly my, my children's stories, both of them have had very, very different life paths. And um, I, I think one of the things I am most proud of my son for is as an athlete, he began very young, um, um, to develop the love of soccer and uh, was not a kid who I would say had natural talent in any way. Um, but he loved soccer and he continued to play and he pushed hard. And although he was not a student who started on a varsity soccer team until halfway through um, his senior year, he found a program that he joined as a freshman in college and um, ended up playing for three years as the starting goalkeeper at his university, it, you know, a division three school where he's got strong academics, but also this ability to have really strong athletic teams. And I'm just so proud of who he became. Um, he is a child who never, ever gave up on his dream for soccer, even when he wanted to. And at the end of this season, after he played his very last soccer game in his collegiate career, um, we talked a little bit about at the beginning of his sophomore year when he thought he was going to quit and that idea of how he found some resolve in him. And uh, he said one of the most touching things to me um, in that he said, I would not be who I am today without having one watched the things that you've done for me throughout my lifetime. So it was kind of his little story that meant a lot to me that maybe I've given him a little bit of that resolve as well, that he's going to be able to stick it out and, you know, and work hard and become who he needs to become. Yay. That's such a beautiful gift. And I love that story. I'm so glad you got a chance to share it. <laughs> it's so good. Thanks. And my, and my daughter, who I cannot forget about because she just is my heart and soul and is very much um, a, a little version of me, um, is, is struggling a little bit right now. And so she she and I are constantly talking about who it is she wants to become and what it is she wants to do for her. And um, although school has not been as strong of a suit for her in the sense that she doesn't know what she wants to do, she's got a lot of talents and a lot of gifts. She just hasn't figured out how to use them yet. And so we talk a lot about with her about finding that love of herself. And she's still learning that. And, and it's awful hard to watch my children um, when they don't have, you know, when they feel inadequate and when they don't feel like they're the best versions of them. Um, but I hope and pray for her every single day. And I see lots of positive steps in the right directions. And, and, you know, I can't wait for two years from now when she got has, you know, or maybe three or maybe five years from now, when she gets it all figured out, I can't wait to see the best version of her as well. Well, and it was such an important point because as parents, you know, mine are young and in the elementary age years. And so I always really value hearing from the other wise women talking about the stages that their kids are in. And uh, just this idea that there are pain points in our lives that are challenging. And I love your stories because you get to share about how one kind of overcame those and now another who's in the midst of that struggle. And that's the beauty. you like, that's the beauty part. It's the hard part. Uh, but leading and guiding anybody else in their own struggle is also really beautiful too. And so I just think it's a perfect example, again, 
again, of your resolve, not only the model that you've shown as, you know, single momming and being successful in your career and in your personal life and showing those things to your children, but also continuing to resolve to never be done helping them grow. (laughs) You know, you're absolutely right. You are never done. And I think the other piece of it as a parent that I had to come to accept this year, I mean, my daughter's 19. I had to figure out what it is she wants and not what I want for her Mm -hmm. and really communicate to her that I will love her no matter what she decides. And it's okay if her dream is not my dream. And uh, to let go a little bit of a parent of what your dream is for your kids and let them discover their own. Mm, It's so wise and beautiful. Thank you for vulnerably sharing that. Uh, Because, you know, as educators too, we know like (laughs) there's a secondary level, you know, like you're always trying to help other kids, um, other parents as kids set their life paths. And then when it comes to our own, it's like, whoa, (laughs) how do you take the hands off the wheel at what point? And everybody has that universal struggle. So thank you so much for sharing it. So beautiful. Well, thank you. It's good. Okay. Ms. Heidi, my girlfriend, will you do me a favor and answer the two standard questions I always ask on this podcast? I love hearing the responses. My listeners love them. And so the first one is, uh, if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? Oh, this is one of my favorite questions to hear from other women on your podcast. And I've thought long and hard about what age that would be. And for me, it would be somewhere around that late teen stage when I really began my struggle with my self-confidence. If I could go back and write a letter to myself during that time, senior year of high school, first year of college, and simply say, do what is best for you and not for everyone around you, it would be an amazing change in who I might have become. You know, The important people in your life are going to love you and stand by you no matter matter what. And for those of you who may not like your decision and who don't choose to stand by you, then they weren't meant to be there and stay in your life as it is. So for many years, when I made those decisions based on what I thought my family and friends wanted me to do, um, you know, it saddens me a little bit. At the same time, if I wouldn't have gone through all those struggles, I wouldn't be who I am today. But I most certainly would wish I could go back and write to myself and say, develop confidence in who yourself are, because you are an amazing woman. And God has given you gifts. And as soon as you figure out what those gifts are, you're going to be just fine. Mm, What beautiful and wise words. And I can hear the power behind them. And I think, uh, too, I love this quote from Helen Keller that I think just ties so, so well to what you just said, but your success and happiness lies in you resolve to keep happy and your joy and you shall form an invincible host against difficulties. And so just remembering that it's not really about the people outside of us, um, except that tight circle that loves and supports us. I love, love, love. How about this one? If we have listeners that are finding themselves in a pit of fear or doubt, and as an influential woman, they need to hear your words to help them rise up out, what would you say? Um, You know what? To figure out how to learn to love yourself where you are. I remind myself daily that God loves me for who I am. So it's okay for me to love myself for who I am. Um, And it's a good thing to be vulnerable and to be honest with those around you who do love you and uh, to to share your your fears and to share your doubts and then to use those people to, to raise you up and around you. You know, as a leader, um, I discovered not my first couple of years in administration, I've been in administration now 13 years, but probably about halfway through around that sixth year mark, I was able to realize that the best growth comes from those very difficult 
honor, you know, um, honest, vulnerable conversations. It's those critical, crucial conversations you have with people. Um, but by being honest and real and, you know, listening to them in my new role as a director, I'm able to help support and coach these educators to become better people. And I think that when all of us are in that pit of fear or in that doubt, if we can just step and be honest with ourselves, be vulnerable with ourselves and start to love us where we're at, we can help get ourselves out of it. Oh, I love it. Yay. And I, I really appreciate for those listening, because they're probably, I mean, 13 years is a long time to be in leadership roles. And so for us hearing this and thinking six years, that seems like a long time, but what a beautiful time frame to let us know about halfway through your journey is when you started realizing you got to really lean into those. <laughs> it's not easy, but it's good. No, those conversations are not easy for sure. No. And I, I mean, I would say even just um, when you're on the recipient end of that as a leader to hear what you could do, you know, if you're getting vulnerable feedback yes. um, and it's so important to be able to take that to just continuously grow. And so finding your crew of people in your district or around uh, or people like us, we got the wise women, we can sit here and share. This is, I'm not really good at this. What do you do? Um, such a vulnerability, but what a growth trajectory that creates for all of us. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So Heidi, man, I just love you. I'm so glad that you joined me on this podcast. I cannot wait for my listeners to hear you and to know how wonderful you are and to be inspired by your message. Is there a way that you would recommend that my listeners get a hold of you and they want to connect with you? Absolutely. I am um, on social media in terms of, I have a Twitter account um, at Armin Trout Heidi or at BCSD Personnel. So I have a kind of a professional as well as a personal account. Um, I'm very active on Voxer. And so we can put my Voxer handle as it's Harmon127. Um, feel free to reach out to me there as well. And I do have a personal Instagram and Facebook page as well. Um, I love to connect. I love to, to share. I love to lift people up. So feel free in any way to reach out if I can be of service to you. And listeners know that I will make sure to link those in the show notes so that you can get a hold of Heidi easily. And you're going to want to. She is amazing. She is such a gift to this world, both locally and broad. And I'm so thankful that God brought you into my life, Miss Heidi. And I'm so grateful to be able to share your life message with my listeners. Well, the feeling is mutual, Sarah. You're a big part of my life as well. Wonderful. Speaking of resolve, I slayed some giants in 2019 and I'm thrilled to let my in community know that Lead with Faith, building a firm foundation so you can rise up, slay fear, and serve well, launches this week and is available right now. You know I believe there's a mission in all of our messages and I cannot wait to see where this one lands for those who need it. Link is in the show notes as always. Blessings, friends. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.